Um, so the next thing that determines our scope, there's the site. So if, we, if we're providing care at one of those sites, and we're providing one of those services at one of those sites, and we're providing it to one of these patients, that's inside of that little circle that we're responsible for overseeing here uh, on the Calopican board, and Heather and I are responsible for it, staff. Um, so um, really it's, you know, folks who are homeless, and uh, there's, you know, there's a formal, I think, reference to the definition in, in the document, but Essentially, you can be living in a shelter, living in a car, living on the street. You can be double duck or couch surfing, and you can have any of those things that happened to you in the last 12 months. So if you're housed today, but in the last 12 months, you were living in one of these situations, you still count as someone that our health center is taking care of. And the intention behind that is really to ensure continuity of care. Um, one of the things that, um, you know, that we are trying to be really cognizant of doing and, and, and is a core kind of principle behind the work that Heather and I are engaged in is trying to ensure that people experiencing homelessness are integrated into the full system. You guys have heard us say this, that people are most frequently homeless for short periods of time. Um, and we hope that they're, you know, our patients before and after, and that we shrink that period of time down to zero for as many people as possible. But when it occurs, that it doesn't disrupt their relationship with their primary care medical home, um, that you know that we're really part of a full system of care that can accommodate folks who are experiencing housing insecurity or a housing crisis um, and help help move people through that crisis really quickly. But um, it's really the same population. And so you know I think sometimes it gets confusing when we report on homeless data as if there's this fixed sort of population that's the same you know three months from now that it was three months before. That's not going to be the case. You know we're always really looking at a subset cross section of people. Um, we, you know, with our overall health center data that's shifting over time and is dynamic from month to month. Um, last year, this, or over the course of uh, calendar year 2020, rather, this is going to be, we project about 4,600 unique patients um, in our, across our system. Uh, next slide. Um, we have many, many other programs across Alameda Health System. This is just a few of them that address housing issues in some sort of systematic way. So obviously there's the mobile health clinic. We have our health advocates program um, where we can refer people who are experiencing housing issues. Health advocates can support people with benefits, with getting uh, assessed through the coordinated entry system in our county, which is operated by you know, two, the phone number 211, um, where you can be assessed for your housing situation and then routed to the appropriate um, support and or waiting list, um, you know, for, for housing in the future. We have a, a chronic care management program that's operating at all of our wellness centers um, that takes care of some of the folks who are, um, you know, uh, have multiple chronic illnesses together or most likely to need to go to the, the hospital. Many of those folks are experiencing housing insecurity or homelessness. So I think somewhere around 20 to 30 percent of that program. Similar to the care transitions program, folks who are seen in the ER, who aren't really connected to primary care. Um, our, our colleague, William McCray, leads both those programs, the chronic care uh, management program and care transitions program, has been really instrumental in our response to, um, to COVID, getting some of our patients into the safer ground site um, in particular, um, and following some of the folks who've been um, discharged to, to Operation Comfort and making sure that they're getting the care that they need at Operation Comfort to recover from coronavirus. Um, as well, we have an emergency department bridge program um, and a substance use clinic in our ambulatory care setting that work together really closely around people experiencing substance use disorders and ensure that they have 
um, you know, maximize supports for overcoming those substance use disorders, and they actually do some referral and advocacy work around housing as well in those programs. Um, so we have kind of a smattering of things across the organization that address housing fairly directly. Next slide. Um, so um, I did a summary of our quality of care. Uh, our quality indicators are really in the upper range compared to some of the programs across the United States. So if you look across the health centers and you use the FERSA data site, um, and I think I gave a reference for that. Um, if not, feel free to email me and I can, I can send you to the site. Um, we have uh, five measures in the top quartile, including um, we have a very low percentage of low birth weight folks. We have a high rate of um, cervical cancer screening, a high rate of tobacco screening and intervention, a high rate of blood pressure control, a high rate of diabetes control relative to um, other programs across the country. We're in the top 25% of programs around the country in those, uh, in those measures. Um, next slide. Hey, David, yes, can I ask a, Sure. Yeah, this is Mark again. Uh, just out of curiosity, um, are there any uh, tests for any other uh, possible diseases that typically uh, the general population um, doesn't receive on a regular basis that might be uh, that might be administered to uh, uh, the homeless population? Um, for example, uh, even though among most people, um, and especially in the Western world, um, tuber tuberculosis is, is not really uh, most people don't contract it, uh, but it can it can raise his ugly head and um, spread among the homeless population. Um, are there such uh, ailments as that that are not common to the general populace that are often tested uh, for on, on the on the homeless populace that yeah. are not that are not that, that are not reflected in some of the uh, charts you might have. Regarding um, um, care, no, I think that um, the the quality data they, they certainly don't capture everything, and they don't necessarily capture everything that's more common among people expressing homelessness. But the the more important measures they do capture, um, okay. I think um, tuberculosis is a, is a good example that we can talk about uh, another time of of um, a potential gap that I think is um, it it. Over the short term, we don't see, you know, tremendous outbreaks of, um, of infect, you know, tuberculosis, uh, active tuberculosis infection that's making people sick. I think the question is if we fall short of our prevention targets for tuberculosis in this community over long periods of time, are we going to see something like that? And uh, I think that's something that a number of folks have been concerned about. But that's a fairly complex issue that maybe we can get into in a, a future time or offline. Okay, thank you. Um, so we do have some significant opportunities to improve quality, uh, even though, you know, we're doing well on a number of measures. We do have lower scores on some measures. Um, it's unclear to me whether those lower scores are really, they bounced around over the past few years, and I think they may be due to data reporting issues as much as other things. And Heather may be able to comment on that more since, uh, since she um, provides some of that data. Um, Heather, do you, do you have anything to say about, you know, the the quality measures and what some of them are more challenging to collect than other ones uh, with an Allen Health system. I will say, for example, um, our systems aren't always prepared to collect the data in a way that we can find, so it's labor-intensive to find 
the specific data points. Um, if physicians are handwriting it into fields instead of checking boxes, for example, it won't flag up in our system. So there's quality improvement work to be done to make sure that the data is recorder in, recorded in the right place. Um, and all, another example would be the child care immunizations. Um, there's a very large number of immunizations every year. The, they're, they're adding more on, and it's a very short window that we're looking at um, for those as well. So we tend to not track well in that one either. Yeah, um, so I think it's really hard to tell on some of the quality measures um, when you look at the HRSA data, you know, whether, whether that's due to some of those reporting issues or whether it's due to true quality issues. As well, that data, although we're by far the largest part of the Alameda, Health, Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless program, that data reflects the Healthcare for the Homeless program overall. Um, and so some of those numbers are also driven by other, other contractors um, outside of Alameda Health System. Um, we do also have you know, internal measures of quality that are used across our ambulatory system, our outpatient care system. Um, those have improved considerably over the last few years um, and, um, and likely are improving you know, for people experiencing homelessness as well, although we have not stratified all that data by housing um, or um, you know, we talked about also race ethnicity here and, and um, the importance of doing that, especially if we're you know, considering um, the intersection between racial inequity and, and housing status. So that's definitely an opportunity for improvement for us as well. Um, we did have several findings on a recent visit by the Joint Commission, which accredits hospitals. Um, it's a higher standard than what your typical community health center would have to achieve in terms of all of the safety checks and things. So the Joint Commission doesn't visit La Clinica. Um, it does visit us because part of that, we're both the community health center and the county system. And they have some pretty stringent, good to follow, you know, requirements around safety that I think we're we're working um, we're working on making sure that we meet all of those. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning we we do also have deficits in, um, you know, we've done some surveys of staff on sort of our, our culture of safety, and I think we have some challenges with how siloed you know our system can be, um, how hard it can be for one part of the system to work for another, how far, how distant it can seem like the decision making is, which is not uncommon for you know a county system that has multiple different sites where places are operating. And I think we're working as a you know as an ambulatory leadership team to figure out um, what are the what are the ways that we can respond to that and improve the safety culture. I think you know consumer governance and um, and a focus on quality improvement can be real ways to, um, to, to drive people's like motivation and connection to the institution and ability to see their good ideas actually be implemented. And um, so I'm looking forward to, you know, to, for mobile health in particular to be a place where we can, I think we already have a really great culture and we can continue to drive some examples of, you know, how we bring together our co-applicant board, our staff who are out on the front lines of homelessness all the time and really um, are able to bring their own ideas to bear to improve quality of care. I think that's going to do a lot to improve. Uh, I think our example can do a lot to share with others around how to improve the safety culture in our in our system. Um, next slide. I know we're getting we're getting close to time here, so I'll try to uh, make sure that we get through these without without uh, scrimping on on the information for you all. So this is this is a really interesting. Um, uh, breakdown that uh, I don't I don't have a lot of detail behind it, but I think it's something we'll have to come back to over time. 
The proportion of our health center revenue that comes from insurance billing differs really significantly from other health centers. So across the United States, it's really two-thirds of the revenue is from insurance billing and one-third is from other revenue, including the, the grant dollars received. Um, for the reporting that we do, and we've talked about the fact that our budget, you know, this is a virtual reporting, our, both our you know, budget at the beginning of the year and then our you know, cost reporting and revenue reporting at the end of the year are really virtual. They're a subset of what happens across our health center based on this accounting of the scope, based on the sites and the services and the patients that we see. But, you know, once we, once we do all that estimation, what we see is that we're two-thirds, one-third the other way. More of our revenue comes from other sources outside of insurance billing. And I think um, we don't really understand what the drivers of this are, but I think it's something that we should, you know, be looking into as a co-applicant board and, and try to understand better. It might um, offer us some, some opportunities to think through what we can do to, you know, maximize the amount of funding that's going toward caring for people experiencing homelessness. go to the next slide. Um, we already went through the governance. Um, so, you know, the only thing to say is it creates a lot of opportunities for collaboration and creates a lot of challenges for sharing information. So we've talked about, like, as the coronavirus relief fund came in, you know, we've had actions to really make sure the Healthcare for the Homeless Commission is aware that we're here. <laughs> we have needs for those funds. We have opportunities to contribute. We have opportunities to leverage billing. Um, and, um, and we really need to be able to share a lot of different information across this complex system to fully maximize the benefits of being a community health center. Next slide. Um, so here's my summary of the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Um, just among the strengths, I think our um, comprehensive primary care services are a real strength among community health centers. Most places do not have in-house specialists. They can't e-consult, you know, the dermatologist or the nephrologist the way that I can just, you know, shoot an email off and someone in my own system is going to respond to me. It's really amazing to have dental care in-house, specialty care in-house, and it's really a, a strong element of our health center in comparison to others. Um, we have a lot of established ancillary programs that address the needs of people experiencing homelessness. So um, we'll see later in the weaknesses that maybe our coordination and our consistency across the programs isn't there, but we have a lot of different pockets of people who know a ton and do a ton and are really good at their jobs. And that's a real strength and, again, one that's not necessarily common across all health centers. And then, of course, we have a highly engaged co-applicant board that includes uh, strong voices of people with lived experiences. I think. Um, you know, just in this one conversation, the, the points that folks have brought up are just really, really on point around um, what the challenges are and um, what the ideas are about how to do how to do better. And um, you know, we see that really consistent consistently with uh, your involvement as a board and care. Um, we can go to the next slide. Um, so, you know, a weakness we have that's, I think, common to healthcare for the homeless programs is these barriers to engagement in primary care. I think we don't really have a drop-in primary care site, um, and I think uh, that that's a major difference between us and many healthcare for the homeless programs. Uh, so if you look at, for example, the Trust Clinic or Tom Waddell in San Francisco or places in Santa Clara, you know, they have a drop-in place where you, your regular doctor is, at least you know the days they're there and you're able to see your regular doctor without an appointment when you when you need to go there. I think that's probably the major sort of opportunity for us. Um, and it may not be one that we can create within our system, the way our system's structured, 
um, but um, certainly it's a, it's a weakness in comparison to other programs to, to have um, to, to have the, the barriers that um, that we have around you know doing drop-in care um, across those many points of excellence we don't really have a consistent approach to addressing housing and I think it limits us in terms of sharing knowledge and, and just being able to maximize our assets intern internally. Um, people sort of measure things in different ways. They have different referral pathways, and we're not super well coordinated across those. And then our data is improving. You know, for just having implemented an EHR like six months ago, which has dramatically changed my life. I mean, I feel like I already provide much better care in Epic than I did in NextGen. Um, it's the you know the point in time where we're at though is still we're not able to understand everybody who's homeless, you know, what their needs are, what's been done for them already, and share that information really easily, and then we're not able to do consistent reporting on it. And so I'm really hopeful about the trajectory we're on with EPIC, but we're really not there yet. It continues to be a weakness for us, I think, um, at this point in time that, that I'm looking to improve a lot. Um, and then I think we have max missed opportunities to maximize billing that mostly come from historical decisions. So, you know, compared to other um, combined community health centers and county health systems, we're unable to bill for a lot of the specialty services. We're unable to bill for dental services in our current configuration. There are some things underway to try to improve our billing opportunities, but, um, you know, compared to things that other centers are able to bill for as federally qualified health centers, we are, we are unable to bill for some of those things the way that, the way that other systems are able to. And so that is a, a bit of a challenge for us that uh, I'm also looking forward to seeing how we can, how we can maximize that. Um, next slide. In terms of opportunities, we've already talked about um, a lot of these. So, you know, the Health Equity and Diversity and Inclusion Initiative, um, I think has strong staff buy-in, strong leadership from our executive leadership at Alameda Health System and from our board of trustees. And, um, and I think we have a lot of pockets of excellence in the organization that contribute to this, and I think it's going to be a major mechanism for organizing our work um, to be cohesive across the system, you know, to be responsive to, you know, Mark's ideas around John George, for example. Um, I think this is an umbrella that I'm really hopeful about us being able to tuck into and help drive forward um, both as a staff and as a, as a board. Um, we've talked about EPIC and, and how, you know, just having that single system across um, all of our clinics is a major opportunity for us, um, clinics and our inpatient service. And then the countywide community health record we've talked less about, but some of the data we've been able to get on where are our patients, you know, at safer ground. We have Alameda Health System patients there. That's coming out of this community health record that's been developed and creating pathways for us to be able to partner on the data. Um, so that's pretty exciting as well, and I think it's going to help us partner with shelters and housing providers um, more in the future. Hey, Darren? And then the threat, yeah. I'm sorry, this is Mark. I, um, I, I just wanted to ask you a, a quick question about EPIC. Um, uh, my question would be, um, uh, generally, uh, what specifically would you say are, are the, the, the major issues regarding it? Is it, is it uh, personnel uh, uh, being able to adapt uh, to the new um, uh, software, or is it because of the way the software is designed, uh, and and given the way uh, the health center works, uh, is somewhat um, there's kind of a incongruity in, in terms of program to uh, um, computer program to actual health program, or what would you say? From, from what I can see, the, the challenges with Epic are more on the, um, 
data side and using the data to drive programmatic change than they are inside of the workflows. Uh, okay. I think I think it's been uh, I think most providers I talk to at least I'm you know I'm not connected to every part of the organization but I think most providers are pretty happy with you know how it supports the care that we provide on a day to day basis to individual patients. Um, compared to our past system, there's a way to go. There's a lot of stuff we can do. I think um, we can take more advantage of the fact that we can design the health record in a way to help support making the best decisions at the front line and doing things in the right order and being really efficient. I think we still have a lot of room to grow in that, but I don't think it's a problem. And it's certainly way better than you know the, com the mishmash combination of systems that we had before. I think already. I think we've already done. We've already made major improvements there, and we we have more to go. To me, the challenges with Epic are more on the data side um, and and how do we collect data about large groups of patients and report that back to ourselves and understand how it drives our strategy and drives the things we want to do as an organization. I think we're having more challenges on that side and part of that has to do with the design of electronic health records in general. They work really well as point of care database uses. Um, they work less well overall, you know, Epic and, and others as you know, ways to to collect population health data, um, and and so I think we're just really going to need to do a lot of work on that side to to get to liberate the data and make it useful for us as you know as leaders and managers and for you all at the board. Um, there's a long way to go, I think, with the system on that. Okay. Um, you can go to the threats, which will not be surprising. I think both of them relate to COVID. Uh, both both the homeless the burden of homelessness um, you know prior to the COVID nineteen pandemic uh, or after compared to prior and then you know the the economic effects of really dramatically worsening the drivers of homelessness and reducing public safety net budgets um, you know because of the decline in in a lot of the revenue sources for um, for public budget and so these are really serious uh, serious threats. Um, so we have, oh gosh, maybe 10 minutes left. Let me uh, <laughs> try to get through the recommendation. We can also bring this back, obviously, for future discussion at the, at the co-applicant board. Uh, so a lot of information um, that I presented, and I'm, and I'm cognizant of that. We can definitely break down any pieces you all are interested in diving into more. But I think the main thing to say, and, and the reason I keep driving in the medical director report to this overall situation is, you know, homelessness is driven by systemic racism and the dramatic income and wealth inequity, and um, and the and the health and the health care for people experiencing homelessness is driven by those same factors. And we have to, even as we're operating our programs, if we want to make a real impact on the health of people, we have to be engaged with these issues in a broader way. Our ability to improve health outcomes for people experiencing homelessness at Alameda Health System it depends heavily on state and federal policies. If we get $4,000 a patient for primary care, or, I mean, sorry, for, for all of the cost of care, you know, hospital care, drugs, and primary care, and the private system gets $10,000 a patient, you know, that, 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 that structurally drives um, what we can do in the system. And so I think it behooves us as a board to be engaged with those issues if, if you know, our true reason for being here and for working is to improve the health outcomes of people experiencing homelessness. We have to both manage our programs and engage with this larger context that we're that we're sitting inside of. And I think we're in a unique position to do that. So I just really wanted to make that um, statement really strongly. I think you guys will hear me, you know, continuously bringing that up, obviously, in the medical director reports as well. Um, and so I think we can move to the recommendation. 
um, really, um, they kind of go in order of um, where I think we can build from. Um, so the first recommendation is um, around um, uh, leaders and staff strengthening our standard work and establishing quality improvement activities that are driven by our frontline staff and managers, really starting with mobile health. So I think one of the cool things about the design of our program is you know, Heather and I are not responsible for a lot of operations, but we do oversee some operations. And um, it's a way for us to really stay connected to the experience of our patients and the experience of our staff in a place that's really important because, you know, we're, we're the most connected to homeless shelters, to, you know, community programs. And I really want us, um, you know, over the next six months to a year to focus really heavily on what's happening operationally in the mobile health clinic. Not because it's the place where we're seeing the most patient, the most homeless patients. You know, that's really happening in the wellness centers. But I do think um, because it's a place for us to continue to drive the sort of cultural changes and to drive our own understanding that we can move the rest of the system with. Um, and so, really, the first recommendation is that um, you know that Heather and I, as homeless health center leaders, spend a lot of time on this area and a lot of focus on this area and that this becomes a foundation for our ability to advocate and understand what's happening more broadly. It's kind of counter to the other messaging that I've been giving, right? Like, we need to focus on the policy environment and the budget and everything. But I think in order for us to do a good job at that, we have to really be grounded in, in the experience of our, you know, our patients and our staff. Um, and so I'm looking really for the next six months of, to a year to really spend a lot of time focused in this area, both with mobile health clinic and then partnering with some of those ancillary programs, like what we've been doing with the chronic care management and care transitions program to kind of solidify that, that operational foundation. And then the next recommendation is, um, is to work with um, both ambulatory services leaders and with you as a board to um, establish a budget and staffing priorities that improve engagement in primary care among people experiencing homelessness. This is where I think we can explore ideas, like what can we do to, to make our care system, you know, um, um, to reduce the barriers, to make, you know, is there drop-in availability? What would it take for budget and staffing to actually make drop-in availability for people experiencing homelessness? And I think this recommendation really, you can see how it builds on the first recommendation. Our experience of doing outreach to people in the mobile health program to get Alameda, care system, Alameda Health System patients in, we're going to learn a lot about what the real what the most salient barriers are and try to do some problem solving around that. And I think we'll be able to solve some things and we probably won't be able to solve some things. You know, some things will work and some things won't. And those, that will give us a lot of information to feed into conversations that as a homeless health center structure, we can start to think about what are the budgeting and staffing priorities that, will, that can move us past some of the barriers that we're not able to solve with quality improvement, you know, methods and quality improvement techniques. So this is something, you know, I think Early on, over the next few months, just continuing to, you know, Catherine's here um, from our ambulatory leadership at every meeting. I've joined the ambulatory steering, uh, ambulatory leadership steering committee, I think it's called. Um, and um, we're starting to improve some of just the connections with ambulatory leadership and with the co applicant board. And I think we want to, over the short term, maintain those connections. And then six to 12 months down the road, as we've established some of those operational um, improvements in the mobile health services, use those to, to sort of improve our collaborative work around, you know, what we want to do for priorities for people experiencing homelessness across the entire ambulatory care system. Um, so this is the second recommendation, really, in terms of timing, I think, in a lot of ways, is, is kind of how I was thinking of oriented piece. 
Um, and then this, I'll just do a third recommendation, and then if there's any time for a brief conversation, we can have it there. Um, so we can go to the next slide. Um, the third recommendation is for Alameda Health System as a whole to explore a comprehensive population health approach to housing and security and homelessness. I think this gets at Mark's, you know, point around John George um, and how we really need to think as an entire system, not just on the ambulatory services side about what we're doing around housing and security and homelessness. This is where I think, you know, our, our involvement with HEDI, with the Health Equity um, and Diversity Initiative, which is across the entire institution, is going to be a, a platform for kind of us to do this work. So again, it's a place where right now we're staying connected. I'm, I don't recommend right now that it's the primary focus of our work. I think the primary focus of our work needs to be on getting the data right, getting operations within mobile health right, working with our partners really closely. But as we do that over time, I'm hoping that we can become bigger and bigger parts of a, of a system-wide approach to housing and security that we, that we really do need to get to. Um, but I think with our limited resources, it makes sense for us to to build on the on the areas of work that we know the best that um, and that you know where we have the most control um, at the beginning, and that's the final recommendation. There, there's some references that are listed both in the um, in the document and here in the PowerPoint, and uh, that is um, that is really the uh, the end of the presentation. There, I know we're running close on time, so um, I appreciate all of your patience a lot to get through. We'll come back to a lot of these things over time, but um, I'll leave it to um, Lucia maybe if there's any time for questions or anything else um, before we, before we um, end for the evening. Um, why don't we, is, is there any burning questions if you want to move forward? We have one uh, additional agenda item. Um, uh, but I think, you know, we could cover a lot, so thank you so much for joining um, with us and just analyzing this program so well, uh, just from, like you said, a, an outsider perspective coming in. Um, I think there's a few things that I, I hope we can follow up on at a later date, and I think if you had, I, I would ask our members to, like, write some of those down and maybe um, ask to be put into future agenda items. Um, either by email or at the end of the, you know, um, in the comment section at the end of the meeting. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and actually ask Heather to um, go ahead and start uh, with the program report, um, and then we'll see at the end. Okay, so we're going to do the uh, program report. This is a familiar report to you, and I shall keep it brief. Um, we will be having our finance monitoring visit um, on Friday, um, and this is in regards to compliance. Um, so right now we have no known compliance um, issues, but uh, we will be having a uh, visit on Friday, and it's going to focus on finance. Um, in Mobile Health Clinic, we have launched services at two additional sites, the Days Inn and the First Presbyterian Church in Castro Valley. I will say that our, our schedule changes very rapidly and frequently, and so I've included instructions and reminders on how to get the most recent schedule by going to our inter internet so that you can always find it. Um, we also send it out when it updates, but if you ever need it um, right away, you can also go there. Let's scroll down to the next page. Um, in 
August, we had 52 clinical patient encounters and 97 enabling encounters. So this is up a little bit from the month before. And part of this is due to our change in sites and going to some new sites that are very active. This often happens when we go to a new site that there's a lot of patients who want to be seen um, when we go for the first few times or even the first few months as we get to know the patients there. Um, Damon mentioned quite a bit about our information systems and, and working on our data. So we have been working to get those um, challenges solved. Um, we have not successfully been able to give accurate data to the county. Um, we are required to do so every month and we haven't given it to them yet because we've been working on the details of the report. Um, hopefully by Friday we'll be giving them a projected timeline so that we can confidently give them all of the details that they need for their reporting for the for the year. And I think Damon also mentioned just uh, the general leadership and advocacy that we do as a team in our county, which includes participation in the commission meeting every month, and we also are participating in the weekly shelter provider meetings and Damon's participation in the Health Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Task I'll stop there. Okay, great. Thank you, Heather. Thank you, Heather. I'm not muted. Um, are there, let me just take a moment, are there any questions on this? What Heather just presented? Uh, I will move forward for public comment. Do we have anyone else joining us has a comment? Okay. Uh, now, our co-applicant board members, um, time. Do you have any comments or follow-up from either today or uh, future requests? Yeah. Thanks, Lucia. Uh, thanks to Damon for the presentation as well, especially the SWOT analysis. I really appreciated it. Uh, what I was um, wondering if it can be an item for discussion in one of our upcoming meetings is uh, any action plans for the recommendations that, that you have uh, presented, especially, I, I see that it's sort of, it's a pyramid approach, start at the mobile health clinic and then moving upwards. So it, it, at least for the first two, which are closer to the purview that, that we have uh, you know, some, some say in if it's possible to see some action plans around that. And then uh, if there can, if we can see any action plans around or future discussions on how we can turn our, the weaknesses into strengths and opportunities for growth for the program. That's all, that, that's what's just looking for some um, further, so what, what where do we go from there? Because it's very important work that you presented and I don't want it to just sort of get left behind. Uh, um, this yeah, is Mark. Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. I can just respond quickly and say that, yeah, I think we'll definitely be able to produce action plans. That's part of my supervision on the Alameda Health System side as well. Um, and I think to be cognizant of, um, you know, really what the, who the action plans apply to is, about 30% of my time and some of Heather's time. So it's primarily your supervision of me, you know, as a, as a staff member. Um, and then I think we'll get into, I think there's uh, 
there's room for how we relate to the to the leader to the inventory uh, system leadership um, to to really think through you know in what ways are we driving action of the system leadership in general. But certainly for you know my own performance, you know that I think that'll be um, the main substance early on of the action plan that you'll see is what are the things that I'm working on and and then get you know get your feedback and thoughts about more of this stuff or that or. We'd love to see, you know, we'd love to see these areas, et cetera. So I think that'll be, that'll probably be what they look like early on. Yeah, Great. Thanks. We're looking forward to that. Um, yeah, this is Mark again. Um, I would like to have on the future agenda, I would like to talk about um, uh, the co-applicant uh, board uh, relationship to uh, the board of trustees. Is that some, would you like uh, Damon to present something on that specifically? Uh, well, no. I, I, I just had some questions and um, a, a possible proposal to make uh, um, about about that particular issue. Damon, Heather, does that sound like something we can talk about in the future? Do you need any? Additional information. Yeah. Um, Alexander, we can talk about uh, when might be the best time for that, and, and we'll connect with Alexander as well. Um, I know we we'll have some, some thoughts about that. Alexander, you want, did you want to say anything about that? Yeah, no, we, we can certainly add it to the next agenda. It will just be a regular discussion regarding, uh, you know, a proposed recommendation. Uh, wouldn't be necessarily an approval unless. Uh, Members Smith can give us something as far as a proposal, but I think a general discussion we can include it on their uh, the next yeah. agenda. Great, thank you, Mark. Thank you. Anyone else? Um, I just have one quick question. Um, the clinic on 14th in Franklin, just just like a brief insight on how that's coming along. The reason why. I asked because I'm across the street and it seemed like they're doing pretty well in treating a lot of people. So I just, just, you know, wondering if you had like a quick insight as to uh, the status of that clinic and how they're doing. Um, that clinic's an important, important partner of ours, uh, and I don't know more than than uh, I don't know much more detail than what you know. They're bustling and doing a good job. Um, it's operated by Lifelong. Dr. Ranking, his picture was, uh, he's a medical director there, his picture was the one in the presentation. Um, if there's something more specific you want to know about that, uh, we can we can try to get more information for you. I would also add that you could, um, you can participate as a member of the public in the Health Care for the Homeless Commission meetings um, and as an individual ask questions about that to learn more about that because it is their program. Um, I I also uh, this is Mark again. Um, let let me also mention that uh, I am also uh, a board member um, at the clinic. Um, um, however, um, I may be able to provide some information. Uh, however, um, I cannot say whether it may conflict with um, any any information I may give. Uh, may conflict uh, with um, my membership of this board. Uh, that's something I would have to clear first. But yeah, 
Thanks for saying that, Mark. I think you may want to, uh, you know, check with that board to determine, you know, the, the scope of information that you can share outside of, you know, that agency. Yeah, I will do that because, um, yeah, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to get on the wrong side. So I did want to mention that. I got to, I got to find out for sure if that's something I, I actually can actively do. Okay. Can you but, if I, but if I can, I will. Let us know if you want to add it to an agenda item in the future. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm having connection problems, so uh, sorry if I went silent for a second. Yeah, I think you're on mute. I can see you trying to talk, but I think you're on mute. Okay, there we go. Uh, no problem. I was just uh, I was just waiting till we were done with with that discussion to to chime in. Uh, Sure. Do you have another question or suggestion? Just a follow-up is going to ask uh, Damon and Heather in terms of the action plans. I, I don't want to push for it. Uh, so just when, whenever, do you think a, a check-in in three months from now would be reasonable uh, for us in, in terms of talking about some action plans? Uh, I know you guys have a lot of work on your plate, so uh, I just uh, want to make sure we get it on the agenda at some point. I think by, by three months is fine and, and potentially sooner as it makes sense, you know, with other things we're doing. So, but by, by three months will be no problem. Okay, that sounds great. So maybe we, if it comes up sooner, that's great, Lucy. Otherwise, we can uh, maybe put it on an agenda for three months from now. Thanks. Okay. I appreciate that flexibility. Um, uh, is there anyone else with questions? Or, um, Damon, I think that the, the thing that really popped out through position is kind of an area of opportunity um, slash weakness um, is the, the top-in uh, option. Um, kind of maybe, uh, since it sounds like, you know, it'd be a big endeavor to kind of try to take on when we don't have that structure in place, I wonder if it would make sense to first learn about how others are doing it and kind of why, what that looks like in other um, settings to see if that might be something that, you know, how that could ben potentially benefit kind of just seeing more, learning more about it before we even think about embarking and uh, trying to address something like that. And I'm out now, Nita. That sounds good. Yeah, we can, we can, Similarly, I think if we have like over the next three months to try to mix in some of the topics that you were bringing up, and, and maybe we can work with you with Sia to think about staging them, um, mm -hmm. and you know which of these agenda items are coming through you. I love that you all are proposing these items now, and I think if we start to like look ahead, we can figure out where we want to place them. And, um, but I think that's certainly I would love to see you know us just start a conversation around what are you know what does it look like, um, what are the benefits, what are the challenges, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah.
we will see you next month. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. All right, everyone. Bye. Have a good night. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Stay safe. <laughs>